This week's Four Questions Journalist Spotlight is brought to you by Lefts Atlanta Media. Subscribe today to the best database of Atlanta journalists, leftsatlantamedia.com. Welcome to this week's edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. We are talking this week with Kipwin Primus with WCLK Radio. Good afternoon, Kipwin. Good afternoon, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good, good, to, good to connect. I was, we, I was just, we were just saying off camera, as they say, that uh, yeah, you and I have been kind of working together on email and uh, and and phone for a couple of years. So it's nice to kind of get a chance for us to see each other and get to know each other a little bit better. I'm uh, appreciating it. Yes. Yeah, it's, that's great. Well, uh, let's 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 jump right in. Tell me a little bit about. Tell me a little bit about your journalism background, and then we'll get into kind of what you do specifically at at WCLK. Well, my journalism background came in a funny kind of way because, you know, as a child in the 70s, when you were going to college, you were supposed to go to be a doctor or a lawyer. And I got accepted at Howard, um, believe it or not, in a pre-med program. which lasted about one year. And I started taking courses in the School of Communications and ended up having really and truthfully enough classes for that to be my major. But I stayed in the School of Liberal Arts. I majored in English and have a minor in journalism and Spanish. And then, of course, I went to, um, you know, work and was working in marketing. And I got a job. I remember I got a job at Essence and I was so happy, Um, you know, left DC, moved to New York and was working at Essence magazine. And everyone kept saying, well, when are you going to have, you know, they kept looking for articles and I'm writing sales letters and, you know, advertising campaigns. And it's like, I just had a great sales letter and it got this kind of much engagement. And, you know, the sales team was real happy, but yeah, there were no articles in Essence magazine. And I kind of stayed in the advertising world for quite a bit of my career in fact, when I moved back to uh, Atlanta, I worked for Foot Cone and Belding um, advertising agency. Worked on, you know, Taco Bell accounts and did a lot of, you know, great things there. And then kind of just moved around doing marketing. Landed at Initiative Media, which used to be called West Media, one of the largest media buying agencies in the world, and you know started doing sales promotion and that kind of thing. And then ended up in sales at the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. So for most of my career, I've been on the business side of media operations. And in 2011, actually it was 2010, at the end of 2010, and if you think about the media landscape at that time, talk radio was huge. Um, I mean, you know, music stations in New York were changing the talk. Um, the conservative talk radio, the airwaves were full of talk radio. And um, I thought, you know, maybe this would be a place to have a show that wasn't Rush Limbaugh or, you know, any of the other kind of, um, you know, shock jocks for for a better word. Right, or right, right. Sure. Yeah, it was all shocking information, and it, you know everyone was supposed to be in an uproar. I thought it might be good to have a counterpoint to that that actually explained to people what was going on at the federal level, because a lot of people just 
don't engage with the news on a regular basis. And so you're ignoring things that are going to impact you. And so I thought that's the name of the show is the local take, because what we kind of set out to do was to give the local take on all of those things that are kind of going on above your head that you don't have time to pay attention to. And um, I kind of wrote it up. You know, I wrote up the idea of what I thought the show could be. And I did some research about radio and where radio was going at that time and what was being, you know, what was popular. And I met with the station manager who I had just finished um, MBA school with. So I'd gone back and gotten an MBA. And I met with her and, you know, kind of pulled out my research, you know, <laughs> pulled out my little plan. And she was like, you know what, Kimplin, I think this is a good idea. And also at that time, Stations were expanding their bandwidth. So WCLK had a WCLK-1, the main station, and then there was a 2 and a 3 and a student-run channel. And she was talking about putting me on one of those channels. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll take it. That's fine. I'm just starting. And at the same time that I was talking about this show, the takeaway was launching on Public Radio International. So PRI was, had just developed the local take, I mean, the takeaway as a vehicle for the journalist John Hockenberry, and they were putting money into it, and they wanted, um, you know, they were trying to get it on as many stations as possible, and, right, they, right. and they needed a, uh, a the local news inset, so they needed something on their clock, there was local news breaks. And so when that happened, it was like, you know, Kiplin, instead of putting you there, we're going to put you on the takeaway. And the takeaway was, I think it was broadcasting like at 6 a.m. So I was having to get to the station at 6 a.m., you know, work the clock. And we would do local news, but also commentary. I think at the the first show, we talked about um, a local school board. I think it was either the DeKalb board was looking to get accreditation. Their accreditation was being... You know, hung up, and we were talking about schools needing accreditation. That was the first show. And we did that for almost a, three or four months. And then when PRI took away the money from the station, of course, we, the you know, WCLK is a smaller station, so we weren't able to afford a lot of the PRI and NPR and, you know, public broadcasting shows. Those shows cost a lot of money. And so when that happened, um, instead of taking the, you know, taking it away or moving it back to that other station, we turned it into a public affairs show on WCLK. And that was, it was 10 years ago in January. So we started broadcasting every, you know, Saturday morning when we first started at 7 a.m., and honest and truthfully, a lot of the people were business owners that were um, opening up their stores, you know, at 7 a.m. and putting on the WCLK for the day. Yeah. And those were kind of the first folks that, you know, I got any traction with. And um, I think about three or four years ago, they moved me to 8 a.m. And I was nervous, honest and truthfully. At, at the 7 a.m. time on Saturday, sometimes my show would run a whole hour if they didn't have anything to fill it. So we were we were playing real loose and goosey, you know what I mean, in that 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. hour. 
But when they moved me to eight, that meant I was going to, you know, you've got to hit the clock. You got to hit this. You got to hit that. And I thought, sure, I was going to lose, you know, my core audience. And instead, the audience grew because there were more people up and watching. So sure, sure. that has been so, kind of a great thing. So the, so the, the local look, is that, is that correct? The local, the local take. The local, sorry, the local, the local take. And it's, is it still airing? Eight to nine on Saturdays. It's eight to eight thirty. Eight to eight thirty. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, and I think it's you. You have an online component to that too. Is it on? The- we do. So that's to me is one of the more amazing things. I mean, it's a thirty-minute public affairs show on you know a jazz station, and we can see the data analytics. So after every show, there's a post on the station's website. And we can go in and see the data analytics. And almost every week, believe it or not, this 30-minute public affairs show is in the top 10 draws to the station. Um, some weeks, it's, it's this week, it's two of the shows are in the top draw. But, you know, there have been occasions where it's been three shows that are in the top draw. And then, you know, occasionally there are organizations and entities that have will sponsor the local take. So the public library has sponsored the local take. And then one time I had an insurance agent sponsor the local take. And he did a show on long-term insurance. And believe it or not, it stayed up in the top draw. You know, long, be- long, long-term, long-term care insurance? Long-term oh, care insurance. People, people, I, people don't understand that. Yeah, that's great. It's a great topic. It was crazy to me that that stayed up there so long. So, but yeah, it, it's um, the the um, social media we post on, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. We get quite a bit of engagement there. But it it's just still amazing to me that we're always there in the top ten. So, so if you're in the top ten so much just for for one half hour a week, how come no one has said, why don't we do this every day? <laughs> You know, they have talked about doing um, a late night repeat of the show. And they've even talked about, um, you know, sometimes we talk about politics on my show. Not a lot because we want to kind of stay in the public affairs realm. And sometimes I do get my hand, you know, kind of tapped like that was a little bit political for the local take, Kiplin. You know, maybe we need to do a political show. So that's kind of come up. But, um, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, because I know like Rose Scott's show on WABE, it airs, you know, one to two during the week, but then she re-airs it at, I think, eight in or nine o'clock. In the evening. In the evening, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, but, and, and as, as, as do you, you know, she's got the uh, online option. So if you missed the show, you can just go listen to, click and listen to it online, which I think is so important now so people can, can share it. It is, and also people can listen to it again. Like you may have heard something and you were like, oh, I wanted to tell somebody, you know, what they said. This way you can go back, you know, you can hit play and you can send it and say, hey, go to section two minutes, you know, 39. That's when she right. talks about whatever would have you. So I think it's great. Well, Scott Slade has a show on WSB that he's started back up on Sunday mornings and it's a great hour-long show, and you know, because SB is usually kind of a short snippet kind of right. stories during the week. But on on that Sunday show, he goes more in depth, and it's great because he can get into you get into a topic a bit more. But I don't always wake up at eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday. I'm usually 
depending on how late I've been up the night before. So I have, sometimes I miss something and have to wait for the, have to wait a week or so until he gets the podcast posted to the website and, uh, and then I go back and listen to it and, and share it and all that. Uh, so, uh, okay, so let's see, just so everybody knows, so we, sh- we should say this, the uh, station uh, frequency for, for CLK. It's WCLK, and it's 91.9 FM. Great. And, uh, and on, on the Internet, it's, what's the website? W- WCLK.com. You can listen okay, to on, it anytime. And, and uh, see, Twitter? You got a Twitter feed? It's, yep, it's at WCLK91.9. Okay, and, and what, do you have it, are you on Twitter, too? I'm on Twitter at Kiplin, so K-I-P-L-Y-N, and you're at the Kiplin. Only, you're the only Kiplin on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky. I started Twitter fast enough, soon enough, <laughs> that I've got Kiplin. So, you Is know. there a Kiplin-47 or something like that? There are other people named Kiplin, so I'm not the only Kiplin. Okay. Um, and I'm always surprised because I, I would have thought I was the oldest, but I'm not even the oldest Kiplin. There are several yeah. ladies that are a little bit older than me. There's some men named Kiplin. I've, I've met a lot of, of Kiplins, just not another Kiplin Primus. That's- <laughs> All right. So, so, so focus on public affairs. Are there some topics that you kind of have in the back of your head that you're thinking, I want to cover this in the next month or two or six that are kind of kind of batting around in your head there's things we need to touch on well there are a couple um i've reached out to some of the young people we finally have some students back on campus so the freshman class and the senior class and we've done some COVID 19 stories and we've talked to people from 2020 you know missed graduations and that kind of thing but i would really like to have a round table with some of the young people you know, to talk about what this has been like, because it really is traumatic to have been locked down, you know, for a year. And I remember, um, I think it was last summer when they were showing the pictures of the young people on beaches in Florida and, you know, everyone was fussing. But if I were 20, I'm pretty sure I would have been one of the people taking the risk. I'm just being serious because, you know, it's... (laughs) COVID, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah. it, that you're, was... You're, you're indestructible when you're 20, right? You felt like you were invincible. I, look, I remember one of my first jobs, the lady asked me, you know, about benefits, and I was like, oh, I don't care about benefits. <laughs> I don't need health care. What do I need health care for? You know, how, but that's how young you are, you know, in 2025. So I can understand it. I mean, I definitely can understand it. Yeah. And yeah. to hear their side of this story, you know, to hear what it really has been like. Um, And, you know, I've got friends with, you know, kids that are 18 in their early 20s that they know sneak out, um, you know, to try to be with their friends. And, you know, just what is what has that been like for them? So that's one story I I definitely would like to do. Um, I'm doing stories about women in March for Women's History Month, and I'm shocked that this is the first time I've ever did that, you know, where I'm doing all of the shows will be about women, and um, that's one of the first times we've done that. Um, So one of the other things, you know, we do some travel with our shows, so The Weeping Time is one of the shows that we did in 2016, 
about the largest sale of enslaved humans recorded in North America, and it happened in Savannah. So for the last two years, we've taken a bus trip there, and it's the first weekend in March. So last year, we were kind of on pins and needles because we were in Savannah right as the pandemic was breaking. Um, but we were supposed to go to Nashville to the opening of the National African American Museum of Music. Um, this year, we were planning the, a trip to Tulsa um, for the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa riots. So, you know, that part of our show I have really missed and um, hope that we can get back to doing those things. The trip to Nashville had been planned for September 2020. Um, we were going to be um, immersed in the, the history of Nashville from Fisk University. Um, C.T. Vivian was at the Nashville Baptist Seminary, and he's the one that trained, you know, John Lewis and Diane Nash and all those folks. So it was going to be just this wonderful trip for us to get immersed in, you know, that real history up there. Right. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed, if we don't do it this year, we'll definitely do it next year. So Yeah. So so as a, you know, HB, HBCU, do you do you want all your stories or most of your stories to be kind of uh, black focused or do you want to be more diverse? What, what's your feel on that for the station? Well, well, a lot of our stories are specific, I think are specific to our community and the things that are going on in the African-American community. But of course we are not a monolith. Um, we've had um, shows where we've had uh, uh, Iman from a mosque, and a pastor talked about what was going on over in um, English Avenue neighborhood about the changes that are coming and how that community, those, those two communities had come together to provide security for the small businesses and things over there. Right. Um, we've talked with Samaya Khalifa, who is the founder of the Muslim Speakers Bureau, Islamic Speakers Bureau because a lot of the things that are happening in their community kind of boil over into, you know, our community. We were front and center about the um, House bill that prevented dreamers from going to state schools. And we covered Freedom University when it, you know, first started. So I, I try to make sure that our community also understands you know, that we're not in this alone, you know, we're not in America alone, that there are other people who have some of the same challenges that we have. Um, one of the stories we did this summer was we interviewed um, white moms who are raising children to thrive in multiracial environments. And if we could get more moms, you know, that wanted to do that, we might move past kind of the morass that we continue to find ourselves right. in. Okay. Well, so, that, that, that kind of uh, gives our, that kind of gives the list, our listeners here a kind of a, a good, a really good feel for the kind of story. And of course, I always tell people if you, before you pick up the phone or send an email to, to Kipling, go, go to the website and listen to, listen to a couple of shows and kind of get a feel for what she's been covering and, and uh, that way, you're, you're more people are more aren't target if they're pitching you stories, and you're not wasting their time and yours pitching you things that uh, are not on on target for you. 
And we love the pitches that come in. We have an engagement line. It's 404-880-6211. And we give it out every week. And we take (laughs) stories from there. Um, We even take um, some people, you know, my niece, one of the stories we did on COVID was a woman's niece was home from college in California. And she started a nonprofit to give seniors rides to the polls. And I was just like, you know, (laughs) a lot of kids are in Florida. A lot of kids are in the basement playing computer games. And this young woman decided to start a nonprofit. I mean, she even got her 5013C, um, partnered with several churches, and was taking seniors to the polls. All right, so so here's the lightning round now. So you know, you know, we don't have, we don't have to go in in depth with, with these, but uh, what's your what what's something kind of fun and cool about Kipling that people might not know? It could be a hobby or things you collect or something like that. You know what? I, I'm a reader, and I, I'm a reader, and I read everything. Um, I read the newspaper. When I wake up, I start with the New York Times and the Washington Post. Middle of the day, around lunchtime, I get the Chicago Tribune. I read the Dallas Morning News. And towards the end of the day, I hit the Los Angeles Times, the Oregon newspaper. Um, So I just, I read all the time. I read fiction. um, But as I've gotten older, I read more nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I worked at a bookstore in college because I got to read book. You know, I could take out any book for free. Um, <laughs> when I was in high school, can you believe my parents punished me by taking away books? Of course, I was only reading Harlequin romances, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, you I, know, I, guess, I was that I was that kid too. All right, so what's the last book that you've read? Um, King Kong, Deacon Jones by McBride. I've got the title all screwy, but um, <laughs> right. What, what's your What's your favorite? local restaurant i'm in love with homegrown on memorial drive i like breakfast in general but i like everything on their menu and i go there much too much all right so uh, favorite guilty pleasure say yes to the dress (laughs) (laughs) right so favorite Favorite local getaway? Where do you like to go to to relax and get away from it all a little bit? Actually, I like going up to the Atlanta History Center. I work for StoryCorps, and StoryCorps has a recording booth there. So it's just one of my favorite work campuses. But anytime if I'm out and about and I've got, you know, time to spare and it's on the way, it's just a beautiful campus. The they're animals, and I've been all over it, but still sometimes I'll go in a corner somewhere, and I'll go, I never knew this statue was here. <laughs> so that is just one of my favorite, you know, you can you can dream, you can think. It, it's just a beautiful campus. All right. And last question, what's your favorite non-work hobby? I like hot yoga. That is the thing that I have missed the most in this pandemic. Um, I've been doing some virtual classes at home, but I am a hot yoga. I mean, one of my girlfriends said it was my religion. I, I it, it is. It is one of the things that keeps me balanced and keeps me sane. And it's one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most um, once we can really get out and about. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Thank you. This has been great. Um, 
I feel like we could talk for another half hour, but yeah, uh, this is fun. I know, I know. So, is there anything else about about the, the station or the show that you wanted to mention that that I didn't ask about? I don't think so. No. I think it's good. I'll, we, you know, we did a marketing campaign for the tenth anniversary. We got new theme music for the first time. That was custom for us. Um, we got new logo. So, you know, it's like. 10 years, you should take this seriously. <laughs> so. that's, that's great. That's great. Well, we've been talking with Kiplin Primus with WCLK. Let me try that again. WCLK Radio. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Get Mitch, get it right. Thanks for thanks for being with us. And uh, join us uh, next week and every, hopefully, mostly every Sunday for our four questions, Journalist Spotlight. Thanks, Mitch, and thanks for all that you do to help the journalist community here in Atlanta. Thanks. My pleasure.